Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all of its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Yo, what's up, my people? It's Pastor Jay Harris from the Ville Church. You already know what it is. Today is the day that the Lord has made. The weather is right, and I'm outside ready to preach this word to you. And yo, we're airing this sermon on June 19th, which means that it's Juneteenth and it's Father's Day. Fathers, sit back and relax today. Do whatever you want to. Kick, you know, get you a rib. I do what you do. All of that stuff. And yo, it's Juneteenth or whatever. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 we celebrating freedom today or whatever. So it's probably a parade or a concert or some kind of event popping off around your way, wherever you're at in the world. Go go uh, celebrate. You understand what I mean? And do all that good stuff. But yo, let me get into this word this morning. It's Colossians 3. Um, and we have been inside of this book. We've been going through verse by verse, and I'm going to preach it to you verse by verse today. We're in Colossians 3, 18 through 25, so get your phone or your Bible, however you want to rock with us this morning, and let's push through this thing. Let me read the text to you, all right? And I'm going to hit a nerve when I pop off or whatever, right off the bat, whatever, but I'm going to work the nerve out, and I'm going to give you some good news, so just roll with me. First thing it says is, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, some texts say slaves right there, says bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. 20, verse 23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So let's get into our text today, right? That's the scripture. It starts off straight off the bat. There's just, he, he's giving these charges, these things to do. He's just hitting them one by one, right? First he speaks to wives, he speaks to husbands, he speaks to children, he speaks to fathers, he speaks to bond servants, right? And, I, and I'll explain what that actually is and how that works. But he says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. This is important because in our culture, I think we have this idea for the word submit, right? How it's generally understood is about this thing where you actually overpower people and you take something from them, right? This says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. God's will for you, ladies, wives, is not for anybody to use force to make you submit to anything. In this context and in this understanding, this is about respect. Submission is something you give. You get where I'm coming from? Something you give. This is not MMA. This is not the UFC. Nobody's going to be using any power and abusing and dehumanizing because that is not fitting to the Lord. So that is what that is not what he's talking about here. He's talking about willful submission, a act of love and trust to the other. So he says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. He says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Let me give you a text for love because I think this is important when we talk about the word love that we get into this thing. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, says love is patient and kind. 
that's fitting to the Lord for you to be patient and kind to your wife. It says, love does not envy or boast. Your wife is not somebody for you to stunt and boast, you know, before and and you're not in, not in competition with her, right? It says, it is not arrogant and it's not rude. She's not the object that you just brutalize with your frustration. That's not fitting for the Lord. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. This is important right here because we're talking about love in the context of marriage, going from wives to husbands, right? And so I say this is a litmus test, this part right here where it says rejoices with the truth, right? So your, your litmus test for love is, is, is like, is right here because it's like, will you grab a hold of this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 5, will you grab a hold of this text and will you be convicted where you fall short? Will you allow grace to produce a new mind and a new heart in you? And will you ultimately rejoice in the truth that the gospel is given in 1 Corinthians 13? I'm saying this right now and I'm preaching to you, but husbands, this is something for you to practically actually do. When you try to get a hold of what I, what love looks like, or when you're in a place where you're maybe in an emotional state or you're frustrated, you're angry with your wife, stop and actually look at this scripture right here, right? And truth is in this text for you. But it takes some dying for you to actually rejoice in truth. Because the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And when we rejoice with God's truth, sometimes it exposes that we're a liar. But there's grace for that, right? So not condemnation, but conviction. So we can love our wives the way that we should love them. And in a way that is fitting to the Lord. That our wives look at us and is happy to submit and trust us in whatever the situation may be. That we are not the kind of men that always insist on their own way, but care about what our wives want, right? That she shares power in our relationship, that there's this trust and this outdoing of with each other and lavishing each other with love. So that's for my married couples or my people who are gonna be married or whatever the case may be. I hope that's helpful to you. And then verse 20 says, children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. So in verse 18, you heard him say, as fitting in the Lord, as is fitting in the Lord. Here, when he's talking to children, he says, pleases the Lord, right? And then verse 21, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So there's this dynamic of parenting and with the children. But he says, as is fitting in the Lord to the wives and the husbands, and with the father and, and, the, and the child, he says, pleases the Lord. So these interactions beyond them being about wives and husbands interacting or father and children or mother and children interacting, it's actually about our interaction with God that determines how we interact on a horizontal level. You get where I'm coming from? The wife is interacting with God there, and that determines how she interacts with her husband. The husband is interacting with God and that therefore determines how he interacts with his wife. Same thing for children. Same thing for a parent with the children. I want y'all to catch that. And then our last thing right here in this list that he starts off with is bond servants. Y'all stick with me. I'm going somewhere with all of this or whatever, right? Because these things are not the main point of the scripture. 
but they're often what people stumble over because all they do is just they they look at it and they're like, okay, I got to do this. Uh, and, and people have been super abusive with the idea of wives submit to your husband because they think that it means that they force them into something. So people have abused this text and completely missed it, especially that relationship dynamic about how this is about interacting with God. And I'm going to make it clear for you. Verse 22 says, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. He says, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. When Paul says this, I think this text is kind of interchangeable, right? Because so in some translations, you'll see uh, slave and you'll see bond servants or whatever. But earlier in the text, Paul is actually talking to the people at Colossae. So these people come from different places, different trajectories or whatever, but they're all located at, at the city of Colossae and they're all believers and they're all Christians and they're all make up the body of the church. And so you have free people, you have people who are enslaved, you have people who bond servants can also be people who are very much like many of you where they work a job for somebody and they have a boss and that boss determines when they get off of work, when they take vacation and everything else. Like, we don't like the idea of that word being mixed with slavery, but they sure as heck tell you when you can you know how much health care you pay and everything else or whatever so a bond servant can be somebody who's basically a work for hire but what God is doing is he's bringing down this relational dynamic on our earthly relationships right it's just like I was saying before the husbands and wives it's the relationship relationally it's about how you interact with God then how you interact with each other even when he's dealing with bond servants he, or, or, or even people who are in a very horrible earthly condition dealing with a, a abusive dynamic that slavery whatever the case may be or whatever right he says obeying everything those who are your earthly masters that's not about because Paul make let me let me make this clear for people because they get real uncomfortable here Paul in another text says if you can get free from your situation heck yeah get free he says get free if you're stuck in your situation, because we on earth and suffering happens and ugly things happen and some people have to endure through imprisonment like Paul did plenty of times even though they're not guilty. Um, people aren't born to the best parents in the world and they have to endure. So the scripture is giving us an idea of how to endure hard situations, right? how to interact with God and, and to therefore interact, how to interact vertically so we can interact horizontally and how to push through and get through. And he's also telling us how to actually flourish in our relationships also, right? Um, with husbands and wives or whatever, right? Um, children and parents. So he says on the back part of verse 20, um, on the back part of verse 22, he says, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord Paul is trying to lift their eyes he says not by way of eye service in other words don't do the work that you're called to do don't be in any of these dynamics father and you know mother and you know parent uh, child relationships husband and wife don't do it where you're only doing it in respect to pleasing the person in front of you, like, like they're God, like you're just pretending, like, you know how it goes, you can go to work and you can work and you're just trying to get by and look like you're doing well enough or whatever, but you're really kind of careless about the work. 
He's saying, don't be a people pleaser, is what he's ultimately saying. He said, yo, don't do it by way of our service. And he says, as people pleasers. But then he says this other thing. He says, but with sincerity of heart. He says, do it with sincerity of heart. All right? So it's like the text is beginning to transition to a, a, to a, to a higher point. Which, which mirrors what we've seen earlier in the text when Paul was telling us in the very beginning of Colossians 3, he says, seek and set your mind on things above, which he's talking about Jesus. Basically in this text right here, Paul is saying, yo, in your relationships and in your interactions, don't look horizontally on, on, on this level. Look up to God. Seek and set your mind on God and do the work that you are doing unto the Lord, no matter what circumstance you're in. Do it unto the Lord is what he's saying, right? So you can have relationship. So even in a bad situation, you are interacting with God and this person horizontally is not playing your God. So whether they are a bad taskmaster, whatever case they may be, or they just a horrible person to work for, that you're still interacting with God. You're still bearing fruit. You're still growing. And God is giving you strength to help you endure through that situation. Or if there's somebody that is great and you love them and everything else, still do the work unto God so you can lavish them in a way that is godly and the way God, God is working through you to actually show his love to them, right? And so this works on a, a lot of things, whatever, on a practical level, but it's really, really important because he's, he's doing that same old thing. He's like, seek and set your mind on things above. Once again, he's saying... Keep your eyes up on the king, no matter what situation, no matter what the circumstances, keep your eyes up on the father. Verse 23, he reiterates this or whatever. He says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And not for men, right? And, 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 and it's like, it's, I think we, we're stuck in this world where we practically, we think we always got to like, Watch our back, you know what I'm saying, like, and, and we're defensive so we don't get taken advantage of and everything else. But at the end of this text that I'm preaching to you today in verse 25, he says the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done and there is no partiality. You understand? Like God is saying like, yo, keep your eyes on the prize. Don't worry about them. I, I'm a deal. They, I see what they're doing. I'm a, they're going to get dealt with. You just keep focusing. You keep focusing. They think that they playing you or whatever. What, what they meant for evil, I'm going to actually use for good. We even see this or whatever in Joseph's life, right? Because Joseph's family takes him or whatever, sells him into slavery. He ends up sitting inside of a prison cell more than once. He's going through all of these horrible things in his life. But then he ends up becoming second in command right up under Pharaoh. One of the most powerful people in the country. And then he's able to come back and save his family and even his brothers that betrayed him during the time of famine. Bring them back, give them a place to stay and give them food to eat. God had a plan for Joseph even when the devil was trying to take his head off. Joseph, we've seen this story. He had plenty of reasons to be bitter to be upset, to be mad at his circumstances, but he kept his eyes high, kept them on the Father. He kept them on the Father, right? And God had a long-term purpose for the story, for, for, his, for, for his life, you understand what I mean? He used them to do something very significant and to save his people, right? And then he makes the statement, he says, what the, what the enemy intended for evil, God has meant for good. 
You get, this, this is the exclamation point I'm trying to make to you right here. God is in control. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the circumstance is. I don't care how much your boss sucks. I don't care no matter what it is. God will bear fruit from you. Like my, this is a personal testimony. My worst boss, my, my harshest boss, the worst circumstance I thought I've ever been in from a job standpoint was actually my best boss ever. It was the first time I decided not to run from the job because like, man, I'm sick of them, I'm tired of them, they always doing this and I, everything I could have said to complain about them, it would have been true. But this particular time, instead of quitting the job, I heard God telling me to stay in place. And I stayed at that job and I worked. And every day I had to I had to pray. I used to have an electronic Bible. I used to pray, put in the Bible, whatever I was feeling. Man, I feel ashamed. I feel like I'm going through this. And I'll read scriptures every day and keep my mind focused on God. Because the circumstance I was in felt terrible. My flesh was eating me up because my bosses felt so disrespectful. And the inner thug in me was like, yo, I'm the first day I went to work, I came home. I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to break my boss's jaw tomorrow. And she said, Jay, you can't do that. It's like, we got to eat or whatever. And you just move around on your emotions. You think you can just strangle everything that makes you mad. What about being a man and like taking care of your family? And then, you know, that hit a little nerve or whatever. Like, you understand what I mean? And so I didn't run because she was right. But like, it's like it broke a glass ceiling because instead of focusing on me, instead of even focusing on the boss, I put my eyes on God. And I swear to you, everything I did after that in my life, it's like where I was stuck in this place where I couldn't get forward in jobs and do certain things. It seemed like everything changed. But that change for me, this is my personal testimony, it was because I stopped looking at people and I started focusing on God and I started realizing that God even put people that are terrible in your life to build your muscles, to build your muscles. He does, you feel me? In God, verse 25, the wrongdoer will pay be paid back for the wrong he has done and there is no partiality. Anybody that cross God's people, God gonna deal with them. Hopefully they'll find mercy and grace and grow. We don't wish ill ill will on them but i'm just telling you god don't miss anything especially when it comes with his children but let's jump back to it verse 22 so these things not 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 people pleasing not our service sincerity of heart fearing the lord which is another way to talk about having our eyes on the lord acknowledging god's power being bigger than every power that's in front of us right I want to show you real quick God modeling this thing. Verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily, ask for the Lord and not for men. I want to show you Jesus modeling this in the scripture, right? So you can get a hold of what that looks like because it's very counterculture um, for us to not look out for ourselves and look out for number one. Um, but biblically, God is number one. Um, Philippians 2, 1 through 11, I'm going to read this to you. And, and listen really listen really close. Um, it says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love, being in full accord in one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Listen to that. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 
Paul is telling the, the, the Philippian people, right? He's telling them to count others more significant than themselves. It's not how the culture works, but it's in the scripture. Deal with it, right? Verse 4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, interest, but also to the interests of others. You read Ezekiel, I believe it's verse 17 or uh, uh, 19, um, excuse me, chapter 17 or 19, something like that, Ezekiel towards the end, where he talks about Sodom. He says about Sodom, he says, the reason that God destroyed Sodom is because they were overfed and they were unconcerned. It says that they didn't consider the poor and hungry when they built. Translation, they only looked out to their own interests and then considered the interests of others. That's why it says in Ezekiel that God destroyed uh, Sodom. That's something for us to think about because number one, what we face in our American culture where we don't think about others, we only look out into our own interests. And Paul is telling them in this text, that's not the way to posture yourself as a believer. That's not the example we have from Christ. So let me show it to you. Verse five, he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He's preaching Christ's mindset. He says in verse six, who thought he was in the, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. He emptied himself. Church, I want you to stop and just ponder on that word really quick. The idea of emptying yourself, like literally pouring some out of your cup for somebody else to have more in their cup or somebody who has nothing in their cup for them to have something in their cup. To not make yourself the idol of your own life, your own satisfaction be your God, but actually also thinking about the interests of somebody else. Jesus, who was in the form of God, did not count himself equal with God, that as a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself. He says, by taking the form of a servant, remember we are talking about in Colossians 3, the bond servant and the servant? That always hits a nerve for people. Like, yo, what's the Bible talking about? Whatever, like, is he for slavery or whatever? Don't be silly, yo. Of course God ain't for slavery. Humans are for slavery. That's our work. It's not God's plan. It's God's work. God, in, God intervenes into our wickedness to try to save us wake us up from our dead trespasses the the foulness that we systemize upon each other actual slavery in america slavery in other countries slavery in mu music sex trafficking all kind of slavery right but it says god jesus who is god lowers himself and he takes on on a form of servant of being a servant so he models this for us when this tells us if you're in a servant role to do your work unto god jesus knows what this is it says he took took on the form of a servant he reduced himself he emptied himself this is what he's modeling for us to do 
and, and, he, and, he, and he did it to God's glory. Let me give you a picture real quick of when you, everybody's read this before, we've seen him do it. When Jesus is on the cross, excuse me, pardon me, before he goes to the cross and he's praying, he says, Father, you are able to do anything, is what he says. He says, you're able to do anything. And then he says, take this cup from me. Take this cup, take this thing I'm about to experience, well, you're about to take your wrath for the sins of mankind and release it on me to the point of death? Well, you're about to turn your back on me and I've never been apart from you, but I'm about to feel what it feels to not feel you and you're going to release your wrath and the anguish of the sins of the world is about to land on me? He says, take that cup from me. And then he comes back and he says, but not my will your will be done he's emptying himself he's emptying himself so we could be full so we could be saved right he experiences death so we can experience life they ain't take him in they they ain't, they ain't take him he gave his life right gave his life so he says, says, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see it modeled by Jesus, and we see Jesus empty himself, and we see that Jesus is lifted up high, and the name above all names is put on him, that he receives a great reward, right? Says that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. God, when he is, when Paul is talking to us in these scriptures and he's talking about us not being people pleasers, but doing what we do for God, right? Doing it with sincerity of heart. He's talking about us doing it to the glory of God, right? He's talking about what it means to be a believer and to function properly, right? And then in verse four, and then he says this right here, he says, 24, he says, knowing so this, this, those days when you are not being a people pleaser and you're doing this work into the Lord, but it don't mean that these, these people you work for or, the, or your husband or your wife or your child or your parent is going to treat you right. It doesn't, it doesn't mean they're going to always treat you right. You ain't always going to get back what you want. Like You ain't going to always get good for good, but it's not about you and them. It's about the Father relationally what you're doing to the father and what God has called us to do. Once you love them regardless of them and he'll deal with them and hopefully grace them to do the right thing as well. But he says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. That's what you are doing in that moment. And what you get to carry in the moment is the eternal promise. This is why I always preach to, to you church that eternal promise is something serious. By faith and by grace, you're saved. By faith 
and by grace, you grab a hold of the eternal promise because it's lucrative in the present. It's lucrative. It's lucrative. When Paul was sitting in them jail cells, you can read the text. He's thinking about this promise. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. You understand? No ear has heard. Let me say it the other way. No ear has seen and no eye has heard. That sounds crazy, right? Because it's never happened. An ear has never seen and an eye has never heard. And that's the same thing for what God has planned for you. That joint is beyond comprehension. But it's a promise. And, he, and, he, and, and, and Jesus put his blood on it as an exclamation point on this promise. And then my grace saves you and brings you into it, right? And we believe by faith. That faith is a gift from God. We're not fanatics. I hope you aren't. I know that I was on my way to go kill somebody one day, and I was sitting up in the church, and God just, he just saved me. I don't even understand it. I don't deserve it. But I can't help but preach about it. I can't hear but help but share this word. And there's nothing but treasure inside of this word that we're in. And what he tells us to, what he calls us to live out in obedience. It works, it produces fruit. But here's the thing, I ain't telling you to go write a list about what rules you need to follow. I'm telling you just like Paul told you at the top of Colossians 3, seek and set your mind on things that are higher. You're not gonna get there trying to manifest, you know, manufacture good fruit, you know what I'm saying, or behavioral modification. That's not the name of the game. I ain't trying to make you be a good little boy or a good little girl. I'm trying to make you experience Jesus, the Father, to, to, to your heart to pour out with love, grace, patience, 1 Corinthians 13. Because as you know Jesus and as you behold him, you see what that is. For some of you who are listening today, and I'm going to end with this right here, you may be feeling like you're just too disgusting. You've done too much dirt. You may feel like God doesn't, you know, you just not acceptable or something like you like I, I know that feeling I was there too like you may feel like man like I done did too much dirt or why in the world would God want me I'm, I'm broken goods we all broken goods we all broken goods saved by grace by God's mercy none of us earned this that's why we call this good news because it's the news that shows up when you're stranded right when you're in the middle of the sea and ain't nobody coming and this is the only light that comes and shows up in the darkness. This old faithful tugboat that never ever fails and it never sinks. It's the good news of the gospel. It's the work of Jesus Christ dying for all your sins. God wants to grab you as dirty and filthy as you feel and hug you and hold you and love you because that's the kind of father he is. The Bible says that his mercy is made new every single morning, meaning that God's mercy is new and waiting for you every morning. You may stumble and trip all day backwards and forwards and make a mess of things today. You may break whatever promise you made to God last night or yesterday when you prayed and God, I'll never do that again. You could have betrayed it an hour later. God's mercy runs too deep is too big and too large and wide for your sin to be so big that it could miss that. That's the kind of God we serve. It's in the scripture. You read about it and you'll see it. 
you'll see his mercy and his grace. Every single one of these people that's supposed to be the heroes of the Bible. First class screw ups. First class screw ups. They just were people that experienced mercy and grace. So I pray that for people who are listening right now, right? You don't need a person with some super prayer experience or anything like that. I don't care how you got to muddle it out of your words, but give your life to Jesus Christ, right? And realize that if you are even feeling like doing that, that is not even you. That's the that's Holy Spirit doing a work in your heart, beckoning you, wooing you towards the Lord. Put your eyes on him. Go up high. Because everything else, he has it under control. He already orders, he's gonna order your steps. He's gonna guide you. And our information, you can catch it at theville.church. Reach out to us, I'll be glad to pray for you. I'm Jay Harris on Facebook, on Instagram. Hit me up, I'll pray with you. Um, but we love you, that's my sermon for the day. That's Colossians 3, um, Colossians 3, 18 through 25. If you wanna go back to that and push on it some more. And I hope I word made the, the made the word clear um, for you more than anything. Just want you to know that God has something amazing and better for you. So put your eyes on him and uh and on Jesus. And uh and so we love you. All right, peace.